Hey everyone, this is Eric, and welcome to the CBC Podcast Behind the Pulpit. This Sunday, we had a special guest speaker, Pastor Doug Lee of Life Covenant Church, who will be speaking at our upcoming all-church retreat, spoke on the topic of forgiveness. And today I'll be joined by Donna and Nick to discuss Sunday's message. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening. All right, well, I'm here with uh, Nick and Donna. Welcome, both of you. Hi. Good morning. Glad to have you here. Uh, well, this past Sunday, we had a special guest speaker, Doug Lee, who's also going to be our retreat speaker in October. And uh, although he can't be here with us today, we thought it'd be great to come and just process uh, some of the things he talked about on Sunday. Uh, but before we get into the message and we talked about, uh, first off, I'd just like to, to ask you, Nick, um, you know, obviously uh, Doug's your friend, but what what is, tell us a little bit more about Doug and uh, why you thought he'd be a great uh, speaker for us, which we all agree with, but kind of going back to that, uh, tell us a little bit about him and why you thought he'd be great for us uh, for the retreat. Yeah, so let's see. Doug is, like I said, the associate pastor of community and outreach at Life Covenant Church in Torrance. And I know him through my friend Tim Mori, who uh, I mentioned service once before, uh, is is my was my CrossFit coach, kind of one of the guys who inspired me to start SoulFit. Um, just uh, been a real meaningful mentor figure in my life. I met Doug a couple years ago at Tim's birthday wad, which is stands for workout of the day. We do it every year, and every year he gets older, the longer the workout gets. So this year he was 47, 4.7 mile run, 47 pull-ups, 47 kettlebell swings, on and on and on. Anyways, I met Doug a couple years ago at Doug's, I think it was his 45th. Doug was just coming off of uh, shoulder surgery, not in great shape, um, but uh, he had a really strong CrossFit background. And so he was grinding through, but one of the things I that really struck me about Doug is that I knew instantly that he was an extrovert, that he <laughs> loved being around people. And I knew this because as we were working out, he was just talking the whole time, breathing hard, <laughs> sweating, complaining about the workout, but just having small talk with whoever was sweating next to him. And I just knew, okay, this is a guy who he, he just likes being around people, likes conversing with people. Um, so, between Tim and Doug, as I kind of got to know both of them, uh, I thought that one of them, either one of them, would have made a, a really good um, retreat speaker. So Tim, being the one I was a little closer to, I kind of picked his brain, asked him if he was free. Uh, he wasn't free and kind of gave me permission to, to ask Doug. And uh, really glad I asked Doug and really glad that, that Doug said yes. I think he's a really good fit. He, he's Korean-American, um, grew up in the Bay Area, actually spent his high school years in Korea, moved back for um, college, went to UC San Diego, where I also went to school, and then met his wife, who's Taiwanese. And so he served at a Chinese-American church for a number of years. Mm -hmm. He served at South Bay Community, which has Japanese-American roots. Uh, he was involved in church planning, was the lead pastor of a church plant for a number of years, and uh, also spent time overseas. So he's kind of got this unique mix of um, extroversion, Asian American ministry, um, ministry outside of the Asian American circles. And so I thought, uh, I think that he's just a great fit kind of to, to kind of bring some fresh insight, but at the same time, uh, well aware, I think of what 
our church culture is. Mm. Oh, well, thanks for expanding on that. that and that's awesome. Uh, uh, obviously, I just met him this past Sunday. We we'll, got to chat with him, and I think all of us could could tell that it's going to be a lot of fun come October, and um, and not just fun, but it's going to be uh, really powerful, and I think who he is and, and what he's going to have to say and share with us uh, is, is something I'm looking forward to. So I'm glad that was able to work out. Thanks for having him and getting him to come and speak. Um, in terms of the retreat, our, our theme is Community Reimagined, and we're going to be really diving into uh, that topic of community for that weekend. And as you guys talked about this past Sunday, and we're thinking about, okay, how, how can we get the, you know, the conversation started? Uh, how did you guys land on this topic of, of unforgiveness? You know, I think the three of us, we kind of chatted before this podcast of, you know, it was a powerful message. It, it was deep. It was something that kind of taps into, you know, areas in our life where we don't necessarily always want to go to. But to kick off kind of a theme in that way, um, on one hand, it's counterintuitive. Sometimes you don't usually start off by something that deep, something that difficult. Uh, but you guys decided to. So uh, share a little bit of how you guys landed on that topic in terms of previewing the retreat and getting us ready for that. Yeah, so we were just having lunch, um, obviously talking about the retreat, talking about ministry. And... Um, one of the things that came up was that just the idea of, of forgiveness. And I mean, I think it, in general, that's where conversations tend to go with me. Like, I just kind of want to talk about uh, some of the more meaningful, significant things in life and community. And that's kind of something that we both agreed on that uh, in East Asian culture, at least, forgiveness is really rare, that it's a hard mm -hmm. thing to come by. Um, we can kind of sort of hide behind our religiosity. But at the end of the day, a lot of times we really struggle with forgiveness. And um, so as we kind of talked about where we want to go, what community looks like, uh, what some of his experiences were in different Asian American settings, um, really felt that forgiveness would be a good place to start, kind of as difficult um, as, as that is. Yeah. That's interesting because, yeah, I wondered too why how you, he came up with that topic and why he started so deep. And he did. One of the things I was really impressed with is that he took a familiar passage and he just brought such rich insight to mm -hmm. it in terms of his own experience and the passage. But that was really good. Yeah. yeah, diving into kind of some of the things he talked about and if we can kind of process that, uh, even though he's not here. Um, you know, one of the statements he made in the beginning of the message that really kind of challenged me and I was really moved by he said something to the extent of nothing hinders inhibits destroys our pursuit of community in Jesus than our inability to forgive one another through the grace of Jesus mm -hmm. in light of kind of everything that we do nothing uh, right is more destructive mm -hmm. what he's saying right nothing prevents us from from being or doing what God wants us to do than our inability or our unwillingness mm -hmm. to forgive people. Uh, kind of process that a little bit. Uh, what What do you hear or, or what do you feel when you hear that statement? Yeah, I think about his first point, which was 
that in order to forgive, you have to identify with the other people and our tendency to separate or to put mm. them into a different category. And I think that happens a lot where you, you, you're upset at someone or angry at someone, you don't want to forgive them and you separate from them. And then you just avoid them and don't want to talk to them. And I see that in myself and I see that in people, how people just kind of separate from other people they don't like or something's happened. And just in my tendency, when I've been hurt or someone has done something that has upset me, I just don't want to talk to them anymore. I don't want to be around them. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to sit near them. I don't even want to look at them. So just that, you know, willingness to separate from people and to to create little groups, I think that's the result of unforgiveness. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I would agree. And I think it's one of the things that I know that Doug did intentionally and sort of bring focus to the message is he didn't offer all the caveats. Like, well, what do you do in instances of abuse? What do you mm. do when it's no longer safe to reconcile? I know he's full aware of, fully aware of those things, but I think he chose not to include that in the message. And a, even though it makes me cringe because it sort of calls me out, but it basically kind of takes away our out. It kind of doesn't give us that um, exception. I'm like, well, you know, that's okay. So you can kind of continue to live the way that you've been living. So, um, yeah, so I definitely resonate with that idea. It's uh, it's funny that you you talk about the the, the caveats or the outs that um, I know because I, 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 I thought about that as he was speaking and you know speakers sometimes you kind of do that right oh if I was giving this talk and I thought there are moments where I, I thought to myself but you know in cases of abuse or these kinds of things that's hard that's mm-hmm. difficult but you're right as as he was speaking I thought but it doesn't everything he's saying it, it's still true though mm-hmm. right so yeah there's certain situations that are humanly impossible for us to forgive and and we want to recognize that and we don't want to sugarcoat it or you know underestimate how difficult that is but in terms of what he's saying it's it's still true and that challenge is still applicable right Mm -hmm. um and it's it's funny that even us not just as speakers but there's something in us that wants that that out right just or to look across the room and think about other people who haven't forgiven and, and to talk about it, but to really look into to our own life. Um, I do want to, yeah, I'm going to interrupt ahead, yeah. you. I do think, though, that even in cases of abuse or, you know, extreme cases, it's not the reconnecting or reconciling with the person that's important, but it's the, what forgiveness does in us yeah. and what unforgiveness does in us. And I remember that was one of the things in when we read Rich Stern's book, Hole in the Gospel, and there was an example of a woman that had been tortured and raped and extreme um, abuse, and they worked with her to forgive the person. And I just thought, that's unreasonable. But, but you see how it changes your heart, and you think of people, like even in my own case, and people that I know of who've been you know, in terrible situations, it's the unforgiveness that eats away at them, you know, and they might never reconcile with the other person, but something has to happen in their hearts in order for them to move forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, going back to his, his quote of just nothing hinders community more than unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and Donna, as you talked about, um, you know, unforgiveness, it just, it just distances us from people or it, 
prevents us from drawing closer, right? It gives us small little reasons to, like as, as Doug said, to other them, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's funny because I think about so much of, you know, I think about what the church could be. And, and, so, and oftentimes I, I just resort to, like, we just need to love more. Right, the reason we keep our distance because we don't love enough, and and while that's true, I, I never thought about the other side of the coin of of the forgiveness part of it, right? Because love can be vague, love can be very broad, where you're like, well, it's different for everybody, and and we can't necessarily force ourselves to love more. So until God does something, we just kind of have to wait. But the forgiveness part of it, you know, the other side of that coin of saying, okay, there has been infraction, there has been an offense. You can do something about that, though, right? There are steps you can take that he laid out from that passage. Um, that's a, it's a choice, right? And I think one of the things that he said that was powerful for me was sometimes you got to do it before you feel it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And in our culture, we're a lot of times where we do say, hey, we're not ready yet, yeah. right? Because we're waiting for that feeling to come, and then we think, okay, now we can do it. But he's saying, no, we can apply the gospel. We can turn to Jesus before we feel it. And, and in fact, he's saying we have to do it, right? So in terms of community, in terms of like drawing closer to people, coming closer together as a church, you know, yeah, why we have to love more, the other side of that of, well, we need to choose to forgive. And at the end of the day, we need to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm still processing that, but it's, it's very tangible, Mm-hmm. And the way he he talked about it, and I think the way it's laid out in Scripture, it's just a matter of of whether we're going to do it or not, whether we try doing it or not. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things uh, it's kind of wrestling with as well is, you know, we know the people we've forgiven, right? I mean, we can look back in our past and say, hey we see the grace of God, the power of God working through us. And there's relationships that God has, you know, he's just brought us healing and we've been able to forgive, to let go. And then there's the other extreme of, you know, paying people in our lives who we haven't been able to forgive. And we, we know that mm-hmm. it's just hard and we've tried and it's just, we're not there yet. Um, but then there's this whole kind of, I think kind of this middle, maybe people who've made kind of a snarky comment people who just took us for granted, complained, they criticized, they kind of offended us slightly. And and maybe, you know, we're not even aware that there's distancing that has happened or permission we've given ourselves to kind of separate ourselves from that. But in those kinds of situations, what might unforgiveness look like, Mm. you know? And if you guys are willing, what does it look like in in your life where maybe it's more subtle and we've allowed ourselves to not forgive someone even though we may not even be aware of it, fully aware of it? And I know it's a hard question to answer because if we're not aware of it, how do we answer that question? (laughs) But I thought for those who are listening, what might be some indicators that, hey, there is some unforgiveness going on in our lives? I think sometimes for me, for those people, when I hear of them or I, when they come across my mind, I think ill toward them. And there's kind of a coldness or a hard, it's like the Bible talks about hardness of heart. And I think that's what 
for me, I notice is there's just a feeling of coldness or hardness or, or rejoicing over their, you know, bad things that happen. Um, just whenever I have those ill thoughts, it's like, oh, there's something there that I need to work through. Um, and most of the time, I kind of don't notice it. But I think as I spend time in prayer and as I spend time in solitude and just allow the Spirit to speak, a lot of times those are the things that come up in those times and that I realize I need to pay attention to. But there's something going on inside of me, I think, that I learn to, to recognize as unforgiveness or upsetness or anger or something going on that I need to deal with. Mm. Yeah, I definitely resonate with that. I think so much of my childhood growing up in like survival mode with my brothers, there's always that evil, sinful part of me that, that rejoices some just in general sometimes when something bad happens to other people that I realize it's not always there for other people. Like it's not there for my wife. She doesn't see the world through those through that lens. Mm -hmm. But yeah, when there's unforgiveness there, when there's some sort of bitterness, resentment, competition, for me, I, I realize that inwardly there's this kind of like, ha, 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 you know? <laughs> and yeah, that's something that I've had to work through, you know, and it, you're right, it's a good indicator. Um, another thing subjectively for me, when I realize there's un unforgiveness there, is that there's kind of a cold distancing for me. Like, I think I'm a natural engager. Um, my default, if things are fine, is that I'll, I'll engage people. And when I don't, that's some sort of indication for me that um, I'm either protecting myself or there's unforgiveness in my soul. Um, but yeah, that kind of tips me off to, you know, there's something, there's something maybe there that, that the Lord wants to address. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I resonate with that with that both. I was thinking when I see someone or the name comes up and there's an immediate negative emotion, mm. you know, uh, or even indifferent. You know, like there's like I like you said, Donna, it's using an indicator for me that there's something going on, right? There's something unsettling of, of when that name comes up or I think about a person, there's a negative emotion mm -hmm. rather than a positive emotion. You know, and then also, um, you know, if someone does something that's kind of slightly offensive and I realize that it bothers me in a way that's disproportionate to, yeah. to what they've done, mm -hmm. you know, and um, it's interesting, right? I mean, we've talked about the Enneagram stuff before, but mm -hmm. I'm a nine and in the study, and I'm sorry if I misquote this, but eight, nines, and ones are... Not driven, but there's like an anger and in right uh, underneath anger that's kind of stirring constantly, and it says the eights they externalize their anger, the ones internalize their anger, and the nines don't even know it's there. Right? <laughs> so that's been something I've been like wrestling with of like, I'm a nine. Like, is that true? And I've been able to begin to kind of recognize that that's oftentimes how it shows itself. Like, like everything is good, everything is fine or at least I think so with people. Relationships are good. There's no conflict. I've been able to like maintain the peace. And then something happens. You know, maybe they're three minutes late to a meeting or they cancel 20 minutes before and I'm really bothered by it, right? And it's like, if somebody else were a couple minutes late, it wouldn't bother me as much, right? 
and I think I, I, I see, okay, there, there are times when maybe I haven't forgiven, right? Maybe there's things in the past that I've kind of buried under, under the rug or just kind of brushed it away, thinking everything was okay, but, but it's not. Yeah. So I'm beginning to see those things, right? Where you go, oh, okay, like maybe I'm not as gracious as I thought I was. Mm-hmm. Not as for- forgiving as, as I thought I was, but rather I've allowed those things to create that distance and just turn away, as Doug was talking about, which pretend it didn't happen. But then when those things come up, I feel this frustration, this annoyance that goes, hey, that's disproportionate to the offense. Why? Right? Mm. Because there's other past offenses I haven't let go of. And yeah, it's kind of disturbing. Disturbing, Mm. but also um, I would say hopeful at the same time to say, okay, God is addressing this. And I can see like, oh man, there's, there's a lot of stuff that I didn't realize was there, um, but I'm glad that I'm yeah. grateful that God is dressing it, but it's just not pretty. It's, it's messy yeah. you know, for me. Yeah, I'm a nine also. So, yeah, and it's, yeah, one of the things about the, the anger, it's JT calls it a gut or an instinctive kind of anger. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was something I didn't realize. But I, one of the things, and I think it's really good that you notice those things in the moment. I think mostly I notice it when I do like my long wandering prayer when I go to El Dorado Park or somewhere and I'm just walking for an hour and my mind's wandering. And most often it'll go to those things that upset me. Mm. And I'll go through these angry little speeches or replay conversations or, you know, just dwell in it until I realize, oh, this is something God wants me to deal with. And then I have to ask him to to help me to work through it and to to figure out what's going on and to forgive and to move through that. Um but that's why, for me, those those solitude and long wandering prayer things are so valuable. Because that's, I think, when I slow down enough to hear that God wants me to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I can kind of te- follow up on that, Donna, just out of curiosity, when you're having those long wandering prayers and God begins to bring those to mind, and you feel like God wants you to address that, what do you feel the next step is? A lot of times, like how to address it for me and this is this last time i went to dana point and i just spent a couple days there um it's more mourning the hurt or the woundedness or and for Mm. me a lot of it is stuff from my family and things that come up from long time ago from childhood um and i think that affects my relationships when people impact me in the same way um but for me it's a lot first mourning the grief and the hurt and the woundedness and um Oh, they didn't understand me. They said this. It was hurtful. And to just, you know, feel sad about that and then to, you know, ask God to help me move forward um, and to forgive. And I think just the the step of asking God to help me is very helpful for me because mm. it's just a moving forward rather than wallowing in it, mm. which I think used to be my tendency is just to replay it and to wallow. Um, mm. Yeah, but yeah for for God to put that desire to move forward and to to want him to help me is like a huge step for me mm. wow thanks for thank you for sharing that any thoughts Nick you know as, as I was listening to Doug's sermon I listened to it twice because he's my buddy so I was sitting there you know in front row um and I was journaling kind of through the whole thing and there was one person who God just brought to mind through both services who is that I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Don't answer it. Don't answer that question. <laughs> okay, everybody say they're one person. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, his name is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's it, it's really interesting because when I look at the broad scope of my life and I was just reflecting on this now is what I think one of the blessings of growing up in a Christian family, and I don't count these blessings often. Usually I kind of blast <laughs> like being a PK. But one of the blessings is I think that there has been healing and progress as far as what's acceptable and what's not mm. as far as um, lashing out. So in general, I've never, never really endured verbal abuse, mm. you know, if I'm honest. Um, and then, so, so this particular person that I have in mind did not grow up in a Christian home, um, year has ye- kind of years and years of generational baggage. And the way that this person has talked to me, I realized oh, no one has ever talked to me like that ever. Mm. Um, and in a way it's given me permission to withdraw, to say, all right, this is for my safety, my family's safety, um, totally justifiable. But then as Doug was talking about the whole idea of being imprisoned by your unforgiveness, mm. I started to realize, okay, there's stuff that holds me captive that I need to address. And, you know, all situations are unique, but I think for me and this person, there's a need to sort of re-engage um, mm. that um, I think because that's kind of part of who I am, that there's my action step would be okay let's let's reach out to this person and um you know what that looks like what the details are i don't know but to be honest i think it's been uh, it's been years for sure since i've seen this person mm-hmm. so just to to reestablish some sort of relationship i think um is important and this person is a believer now and so mm-hmm wounds and all um you know this is um a child of god right Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean that's deep to to be able to go there to share that and you know intrigued to see how that how that plays out and what that looks like for you as you move forward i think you're more um open to uncomfortable and awkward situations. <laughs> um, I think for me, the I know that I've gotten to a good place when I'm able to care about the person mm-hmm. and to pray for them. Um, but I think there are still always, yeah. bou- with people that I don't feel safe with, there's still always those boundaries. But when I can like read an email and know that something bad is going on and I care about them and I pray for them, mm-hmm. for me, that's okay. I'm yeah. getting to a better place with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think part of the way I'm wired too is that in order for me to get there, I kind of need that face to face sometimes. Um, and and I don't know if that's one of those things with um, power dynamics, gender dynamics. Is I think as a man, I don't necessarily. F- I, I think I feel emotionally unsafe, but I, I don't. I don't often feel physically um, overpowered or intimidated. Um, But I feel you on that, that there's this like vulnerability that, um, and I was kind of journaling about this in in the message of, it's so important for me to to go back to kind of the well of the father's forgiveness for me, you know, kind of like Mm. 
all right, I'm going to empty myself. I need, there's a well that I need to draw on mm -hmm. and I'm not sure what that looks like, but it sort of kind of reconnects like that horizontal co component of the gospel forces me to reconnect with, with that vertical component of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you, as you talk about the, the face to face part of it, like I know for me, it, it's helpful when I can sit face to face uh, remind myself that they're human, you know, as Doug said, right? Yeah. That they're a person who's gone through life like I have and yeah. is imperfect and has wounds, has been hurt, has been sinned against. So I definitely, you know, I think that face-to-face -face and just being reminded of that is so helpful for me in terms of feeling the positive stuff again mm -hmm. for a person. Um, but at the same time, I've been beginning to recognize that that feeling of the positive once again and kind of reconciling on the surface it doesn't fix it mm -hmm. you know for me and a lot of times i would kind of write write that experience off as if everything's okay mm -hmm. okay we're good now i've forgiven but as you kind of mentioned donna and doug mentioned too right he said you you know the prison we live in is, is when we're replaying the scenario over and over mm -hmm. and when he made that statement it was like for me that was the the giveaway yeah like you don't even need to ask mm -hmm. which relationships you're having a problem with. Like just ask yourself, which scenarios are you replaying yeah. continuously in your life? Mm -hmm. What conversations, which moments? And, and when he said that, I was like, okay, right. There's already people that come to mind, right? Because when you have time, when your mind just goes there, mm -hmm. you know, and you're not thinking about the positive <laughs> experiences with, with people. A lot of times you're thinking about the negative ones. And as you shared Donna, right? Like, what you should have said and what you could have said. And if it happens again, what you're going to do differently. Right. And going, okay, like there's that part. And to recognize that, Hey, there, there's been hurt uh, that, that has happened um, that I haven't been able to let go of. And then what Doug shared too about, you know, um, what was number two counseling the debt, right? Mm -hmm. He says, when you cancel the debt, somebody has to absorb that debt. Someone has to absorb that cost. Mm -hmm. And that was just another heavy reminder of like, of just that choice that we get to make or we have to make when it comes to forgiveness of like, okay, I can cancel the debt, but I have to recognize there is this cost. And a lot of times it's maybe an emotional hurt, yeah. uh, something that has been done against us and we want it to be repaid, you know, made up for, but he was saying, you just got to absorb it and, and obviously turning to the father and recognizing the debt that's been absorbed for us. But um, that was such an eye opener for me to, to hear that, to be reminded of that mm -hmm. and to recognize how much of it I need to be willing to, to move forward and do what I can yeah. and to recognize like, Hey, I need God's help to do it, but I can't just wait mm -hmm. for it to happen, you know, by itself. I think it also, it happens in waves over and over. It's mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. I think I've forgiven and then something happens and I need to yeah. do it again. And yeah. So I think, yeah, even though, um, even though it's not a thing of waiting till you're ready, I think you forgive in stages at which you're ready to forgive yeah. and you just have to keep working at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good reminder. Great reminder on that. See the wheels turning, Nick. What are you, what are you thinking? Well, I was just thinking, kind of think about the way Doug structured the sermon that he started off saying, you know, this is a process and we just want to start it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, Don, as you're sharing that, that's kind of just what popped in my mind. And um, 
but even how he started off giving us some context you know lord should i forgive this person seven times like that's pretty gracious right i can't even think of someone that i've forgiven the same offense seven <laughs> times but to, to provide sort of a astronomical number to just, no you, you just keep forgiving mm-hmm. um and i know that's where a wise caveat com- caveat comes in you know when it comes to abuse and abusive relationships but you know i think about myself there aren't a lot of times where i re-put myself in a vulnerable situation where i'm going to need to forgive over and over for the same thing um but in a way that that's that's the kind of unique way of jesus <laughs> he's saying do it yeah. yeah well thank you both for you know sharing i think some vulnerable stuff and and something that's hard for all of us relationships uh, you know hurt when we're wounded and, and, and trying to reconcile and, and forgive. And um, I think it's a challenge for everybody. And I think it's why the topic is so pertinent and relevant for all of us. But as we kind of look forward to retreat and community reimagined, what would you each, you know, if you can kind of just imagine, reimagine, what would you like to see happen you know, in terms of community? What can we hope for? What can we maybe expect for that weekend, for a church moving forward, but just dream a little, imagine a little. What would what would you like to see? Yeah, it's hard for me to go to that deep a level. I I just want a lot of people to go and to have a good time and to make friends and <laughs> people that you know don't normally go to you know get involved in church events for them to be able to connect with people and to build relationships. Um, if it went deeper than that and working through unforgiveness and broken relationships and reconciliation, man, that would be a bonus for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have, a, I have a question for you, Donna. Cause I, at least the first time that I met your family was at a family retreat Yeah, years yeah. ago. I think I was in going to second grade. Brandon was going into first grade. Um, and obviously as a f- first and second grader, our perspectives are totally different. It's just, did you have fun or not? Was, were the kids nice to you or not? But as a parent, uh, as someone, you know, in that particular season of life, what was it about that retreat that was meaningful enough for you to keep coming? Yeah. And at that point we weren't coming to Cerritos mm-hmm. Baptist. We were, um, my ex-husband was the speaker. And so, and I knew Gary and Val very well, but um, I met most of the people for the first time, and there was just a warmth and a sense of of welcome. Um, and of course, the kids had a good time, and you know, got to meet new people, and the children's ministry was great. Um, so that was a big thing. But yeah, just the the warmth. There's something that happens at retreat because you're away, um, you're away from your normal setting, and you're you know with people for a concentrated amount of time that just is so conducive to relationships and. For me, always getting to know people and making friends has always been a slow, difficult process. And it was it's it happens so much more instantly at a mm. retreat. And I think there was just something in relationships and in connecting with people that was good at that one. Yeah, again, my perspective is warped because, you know, six years old. But what I loved about Canyon Meadows was where the venue we used to have it at. Uh, was that Friday night always seemed like the most fun. People got there early. They're really excited to be there. And Don, you kind of pointed out, you feel like in general, people are a little busier now. Mm-hmm. And so for us, at, at least in recent years, 
a lot of us don't get there till late on Friday. We're exhausted. You know, we're not really, we're not really feeling it until kind of we've gotten a good night's rest and, you know, it takes time to build up that momentum. But yeah, one of my fondest memories growing up was just looking out and, and realizing here are all these adults just in a room eating a bunch of junk food, enjoying each other, smiling, laughing, joking, and the kids are running around. It just, it was just a fun, uh, warm environment. Um, and that's kind of my hope, you know, that there would be, you know, not that like, I don't, I don't envision us working through all of our therapy issues in one weekend, but if there could be a sense of warmth of, hey, it's good, it's good to be here. It's mm -hmm. nice to, um, turn off the TV, get away from the smartphones and just kind of be with people. Um, I think that would be a win. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that definitely sounds great and be a win if we can experience that up there. But Nick, you just painted that picture that I hope it's a, it's a promise that we're going to sit together and eat junk food <laughs> <laughs> and smile. That's what I heard. And that's what every listener heard. Yep. <laughs> and if we could do that, that would be yep. a win. Yep. Oh, man. I, you know, what's funny is that as kind of like a troublemaking chubby kid who didn't change his clothes probably that whole weekend, I can tell you the snacks that I gorge myself. <laughs> I used to take those um, apple cider packs that you know you're supposed to mix uh -huh. and kind of make hot chocolate like drinks. I used to just down that the powder, <laughs> you know, like it was a pixie stick. Um, have at least five or six cup of noodles. <laughs> Someone would bring donuts, which is awesome. Um, so we'll see. We'll We're gonna see. recreate <laughs> that childhood memory for you, Nick. I'm gonna go to Costco and get all those things you just talked about. But, um, you know, joking aside, I think all those things, I agree. I'd love for that to happen, you know. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, you know, as I was kind of really reflecting on the message and just this idea of community, right. how much self-effort, you know, I mean, not, I don't want to make it sound like it's our own effort, but how much ownership we need to take mm -hmm. on our own life mm -hmm. in order for community to happen yeah. and for it to happen well and mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times it's easy to view community as like what others need to do, or what they can do, what the church can do, what we can do to bring people together. But it, I mean, just in Doug's message alone, like, which is so hard, like how much ownership and commitment to just deal with our own self yeah. is, is necessary for commitment to happen. And I just think, you know, not much, I'm not trying to put it all in the retreat, but kind of this year going forward as a church, you know, that if, as we think about community, if, if each person would really step into that, you know, to take ownership of their discipleship, mm -hmm. you know, their growth and say, there's stuff that I need to work on yeah. Yeah. that God wants to address. And if I don't, community is not going to happen here, mm -hmm. right? It's, not, it's only until every person says, I'm going to surrender everything, anything, do anything God asked me to do. Let him address everything and anything will community you know, be able to happen. And, and I think about, you know, sports teams. I think about CrossFit. You know, I think about the, the girls that I coach. And there's so much that is necessary for a team to thrive. You know, the teamwork, the chemistry, friendship. Um, but then there's just the individual effort that each one needs to make, you know, when we're together, when they're alone, for a team to thrive, yeah. right? I think about SoFit and, 
as much as it's a, it's a family thing, we do it together. There's, there's an individual component, right? That each one has to commit to, so that everybody, mm-hmm. you know, benefits and, and everyone is stronger because of it. And spiritually it's no different. Right. And, and like I said, I'm not trying to bank this on the retreat, but kind of going forward as we reimagine community, uh, just this ownership and discipleship and for each person yeah. to step into that and say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to do my part. Yeah for this to work Mm -hmm. and for this to happen. Man, that's a great vision, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I love kind of the positive motivation that it's not, you should do this, do this or else. It's like, here's the vision. It's good. Let's go get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And and it's not something we do on ourselves, right? It's like, I'm going to take ownership of my life my growth so help me god yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean that's yeah. it's that attitude right yeah. it's like yeah. not that yeah. we're gonna do it it's all about us yeah. we need the grace of god to do it but i think to just step into that and, and i'm so grateful that doug communicated that mm. this sunday in a powerful way that was yeah. hard but i think communicated that truth for each of us mm-hmm. you know, to look into our lives and then to say hey this needs to happen for community to happen yeah. and that we all can benefit together and we need that community mm-hmm. for our own growth yeah. and for our maturity for that. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else to you want to add? Any final thoughts before we close our time? We are working out, by the way. We can eat all the junk food we want. But <laughs> we, we are working out at the retreat. So Doug's, I already started playing that out with Doug and it's, it's happening. So <laughs> Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Yep. Anything, Donna? Uh, nope. That's it. All right. Well, thank you both for being on the show. Thanks for sharing. Just your thoughts, your own experiences for being vulnerable and open as you always are. It's great having you both. Thanks to all those who are listening. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thank you. Bye-bye.